welcome everybody to Today in Space. This week we are having another segment of People of Science where we talk to people who are involved in science, technology, engineering, the arts, math, whatever it is. And we talk about their passion and where they came upon it, what they're doing now. Um, and this week we're honored to have Chris Wade on um, Theoretical Geometry. Thank you for, for coming on, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you um you reaching out. I've I've been a fan of your artwork for a little while. I believe I found out about you through my connection with uh, Wayne Newmeyer. Oh. Um, so uh, I was recommended through some friends that reached out there. So uh, I I love your artwork. I picked up a piece the other day from your Etsy store, and oh. I'm oh. I'm fascinated to talk about you to you about where this where your passion for art came from and like what you're doing now. Yeah. So tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I am I'm an artist in Huntsville, Alabama, aka the Rocket City, and we, um, well, you know, Huntsville's known for rockets, NASA, Space Center, Space Camp. I kind of describe my work as surrealism with a with an aerospace or, you know, space kind of concentration. You know. I've, describe it as uh, kids art for adults and kids too <laughs> and uh, you know it's it's very kind of whimsical a bit a bit dark but dreamy and hopeful at the same time and yeah. uh, at least that's what I'm going for <laughs> I'm going for uh, you know my work feeling like the kind of dreams I was having and um, as you can see one of them back there my for my background, um, I was having all kinds of dreams of finding abandoned rockets for a while and uh, for several years, and then I, then I just got fascinated, and um, you know I'd always been interested in space, but having those dreams, starting to do art based on it or inspired by those dreams, got me. Um, even more fascinated in space and space history and, you know, kind of illustrating this place of fascination, um, illustrating places that feel like they ignite that childlike fascination for the way I, the way I used to feel as a kid mm. when I would, um, you know, see, rockets towering over the highway passing by the place or i'd see jets or space imagery or sci-fi and now it's kind of a, it feels like a way of re-exploring going back and exploring those kind of forgotten places and, and reviving them if that makes sense it it does yeah um I, I can relate that's kind of what why i started the podcast was to get back to that like excitement of doing something you really love so yeah. i can uh i can relate there um so i have to ask this first because i do want to learn more about like what you got into art but when were you having these dreams because i love your artwork like I, I i when you described it to me i totally got the that surreal like surrealism like going into a dream and but experiencing like the awe and wonder of it when were you having these dreams about abandoned rockets. Something like started probably about 10, 12 years ago, and then 
was having those dreams for several years and then um then i a uh, conversation with a professor at in college she said why don't you uh, take well she said why don't you take um the way your upbringing affected you and illustrate that and i thought that's oh, kind of dumb i don't want to do that and uh because, you know, I was thinking more, I was thinking too literal. And then I, passing by a rocket one night, and I was having just these dreams. And, you know, suddenly, you know, around that time, the rockets, the rocket imagery just jumped out at me everywhere I went. You know, even my sister came home from, you know, moved back to town and introduced her new dog, Rocket. And uh, and then uh, it was um, well, these dreams they felt like discovering something monolithic, you know, like almost as if I were from a time in the future where there wasn't a space program or as if I was discovering these rockets for the first time, you know, um, because they brought back that feeling of just bewilderment, amazement, and feeling like just complete mystery and awe. And um, in a way, it also felt like rediscovering myself, rediscovering my purpose. And it was during a very down period of my life. And when I had those dreams and they, and felt that feeling, it was like, you know, eventually I got the hint to start trying to capture that in my work. And in a way it felt like it gave me purpose again, you know? So. Oh, absolutely. I So part of the reason why I asked the, the time of it is because, um, 10, 12 years ago, that's 2010, 2012. Yeah. That is yeah. the nexus point of American space rocket history. That's the yeah. time when everything was transitioning away from the space shuttle to whatever they were going to do next. And it was, I was going to school for aerospace engineering at that time. And so my job prospects hit, hit the tank. Mm -hmm. So this potential future that you're talking about where we didn't have a space program that was the time so it's 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 a really cool thing i think the universe kind of um just putting you in the right place at the right time you know i yeah. i there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are really into stem or very very scientifically minded um and there's some people who don't ever have uh, like an arts background i started um drawing myself i was really into um anime and manga and um that that's most of what my style was um originally um and then i started moving into i played music and and jazz I was a trumpet player um but in marching bands so like that's that's where my history starts i was not like always thinking i was gonna be an aerospace engineer um and so the i think i have a good advantage of having the mix of the two um because not everything's 
black and white. Not everything's numbers and and graphs. And there's some things that don't have to necessarily make sense. Right. Um, and I think I think it's your artwork captures that for me. I, I think uh, a lot. And I. Uh, but were you were you aware? I mean, you you were in Huntsville, so obviously you guys saw the. I would I would expect the kind of decrease of space activity and and everything that went down there well see i didn't really because i'm not i've never been in the aerospace world mm. you know i mean i i honestly didn't really know that they had uh i didn't know they had uh canceled the space shuttle program until i started working at space camp a few years later mm. you know and um it was like you know, because think about Huntsville, you know, we still have the space station and we have uh, the mission control for the space station here. Mm. Um, one of them, you know, is that they also handle some of that in, out of Houston too. But um, I got a ton of, you know, I know a ton of people, got a few friends uh, who work at the payload ops center talking to astronauts and on the, you know, while they're on the space station. Aside from that, you know, you know, we didn't really hear any, a whole lot of engine testing for, for quite a while. Mm. It's like we're starting to hear that again, you know, because you can hear the, the, the roar, way off in the distance of uh, rocket engines being tested. Wow. Um, at least we used to, but then, Blue Origin bought out the. Uh, S1C static test stand for the Saturn V, all five engines tested. Wow. They bought that te- uh, that stand out to test out engines there. So hopefully we're going to hear some rumbling soon. But, um, you know, we, we're also a big missile defense town. So, mm. I mean, unless you work for NASA, um, you know, everybody past several years everyone i work everyone i know who works for nasa they work for some contractor out here Mm. working on the sls you know or the artemis or um you know the orion so everybody's got a part to play even if you know it's not like we're houston or we're it's not like we are kennedy space center where launches happen all the time you know right we got ULA down the road. Um, so basically, even if the shuttle wasn't taken off and the SLS still hasn't taken off. Close. Very it's, close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, regardless of what's launching and not launching, everybody's still busy working on rockets. You know, the you know, the Atlas and Deltas, you know, continued being rolled out and right you know space station was still being serviced and the sls was been under you know all the testing going through all the testing the past several years um a lot of it happening out here um you know the core stage and they did that pressure you know where they over pressurized it to see how much it could handle until it just popped yeah um yeah, unfortunately, they're not using like the dynamic test stand or anything, and 
they're not using any of the the only historic test stand they're actually using is you know blue origin having bought out the big one yeah mm. um aside from that missile defense it's what everybody works in here yeah right except for me it seems <laughs> so yeah. that's that's cool man thank you for that i you know i'm up here in the northeast so we don't we don't really have much locally for that kind of thing you know we have places like mit and we've got the harvard observatory and things like that but um you know too everything's just too far from here yeah. um the closest thing is up in maine they're starting to build a launch site out there for like uh cubesat launches um yeah. uh, blue shift aerospace hmm? circumpolar um it's a unique orbit that no, nobody else can access yeah i i'm not sure that it might actually be yeah that's cool i didn't know they were yeah that's like it's probably smaller rockets yeah smaller rockets um but they've got so much um potential business and they're using a biofuel which is uh new and and intriguing mm. so cool. um that air force base up there they're using some of that for for that launch area so yeah cool yeah so um but enough about that let's talk um where did it start like where were you drawing as a kid were you painting as a kid like where where did it come from where does the where's the passion come from well you know i loved drawing as a kid because it was a thing to do it was fun you know but um then i I got bored with it because I didn't know what to draw. You know, I saw other people's artwork and I just didn't know how to think of anything interesting to draw. You know, I remember as a kid, I was, I really loved drawing um, jets and mm. designing spaceships. Mm -hmm. And, you know, had I not gotten obsessed with guitar when I was 12, mm -hmm. um, had that not ruined me as a person? Um, oh, no, really? Well, I say that in the sense of I got obsessed and I couldn't think of anything else I wanted to do with my life than music. Mm. Had I not gotten so obsessed with music, I probably would have gone into aerospace engineering because I, I liked the idea as a kid of designing jets. You know, I thought I'd love to own a company that designs spaceships like in like the ones in Independence Day. You know, yeah, and uh, you know, it's, um, you know, I. I my dad got me fascinated with jets as a kid, but when I see people's real art, I'm like, okay, obviously I don't know how to come up with anything interesting besides just, you know, childish drawings of, of jets. Mm. So I just got carried away with music for a while. And then I was in my, yeah, I was in my early twenties and maybe, maybe 19 at the time when I was like, I'm going to, I'm gonna like, you know, maybe I should, maybe I should draw um, or, you know, attempt to paint because I had watercolors I'd not used and because I didn't really know how to use the media properly. And I felt just kind of unlearned, even though I took some art classes in high school. Mm. I felt a bit unlearned, but I thought, well, you know, I see a lot of imagery in my mind whenever I, um, um, whenever I hear music and when I write music and write lyrics. So maybe I could paint something that I see in my mind um, or something similar that has that kind of feel. 
And that's how I accidentally stumbled onto surrealism. Mm. And uh, I stopped trying to draw what I saw uh, with my eyes. Mm. And I started trying to draw what I was seeing in my imagination, things that didn't quite make sense. Uh, almost like ethereal realities um, that, you know, I guess the, we didn't have the AI apps yet. Otherwise I'd have, I probably would have gone nuts, you know, <laughs> you know, with the AI art, but the stuff that I was designing was stuff I was trying to paint at the time and draw at the time was very similar to that and ended up uh, in some, you know, strange perspectives uh, inspired by Dolly and Escher, you know, and mm -hmm. which Dolly and Escher are two kind of very opposite ends of the spectrum with surrealism. You know, one's very precise, but the perspective is really manipulated there. And then Dolly, it's very fluid and, you know, so um, I'm very fascinated with, you know, both of those aspects in my work. And, you know, I, was, I ended up going to school for graphic design, thinking I could just use my artistic talent to, you know, work for somebody. And then I just ended up getting obsessed with painting. I was putting out so many ideas, I, I just didn't have time to do it as a side project as a I didn't have time or I had too many ideas to just treat it as a hobby outside of work yeah so, you know going after trying to go after it uh you know as a career and um learning a lot of things the hard way and or at least the annoying way mm. and uh you know, who knows, maybe at some point I will be like, you know, I think I've gotten a good enough portfolio now to get a job somewhere. Mm. So who knows, maybe, maybe I'll decide that or maybe my career as an artist will take off. I don't know. Kind of yeah. up in the air, but Well, I'm happy to have you on and spread spread the word about what you're doing because mm -hmm. um I think you got something there. Um sure. I really do. Um so I Sorry, there's a point to me bringing this up. I promise. Yeah. Um, my I grew up. My mom's an art teacher. Um, she oh. she went to school um, at BU, and this is like, she went to school for graphic design. Right. She was one of the last classes to take graphic design before computers jumped in. So by the oh. time she was getting a job, everything moved over to digital, and so. Mm all her portfolios and everything was just was out of date at that point um and uh, in a way yeah too. <laughs> yeah and it was you know you basically had to go get your degree over again at that point um yeah but uh she ended up uh, becoming an art teacher and um you know i mean i've seen what what she's done to change like so many kids lives of just like introducing them to something that they probably wouldn't even think of before um, yeah. so I've seen, I've seen the challenge of working in a school system and making sure that the arts get funded and, mm -hmm. and that it doesn't, doesn't fall off the map. Um, yeah. it, did you experience any of that? Um, like what, was it always that you had, um, you know, you were just, and again, correct me if I'm wrong at all, but, um, 
it seems like the art kind of flows through you. It seems like you're kind of just um, see, feeling what comes to you and then putting it down on paper and um, and kind of having that happen. Have you always been able to keep that up on your own? Were there programs growing up that, that mm. kind of helped solidify that for you? Well, I never went through any programs or anything. I mean, are you talking about like computer programs or programs at school? Uh, yeah, school programs. I guess yeah. even as simple as like a school has like a an arts uh, department, you know? Yeah, I mean, I took art classes, you know, mm. and went to school for graphic design. In a way, I kind of used that. I, I took advantage of that so I could take more art classes and mm. learn how to do oil paint and watercolor. And those were both media that I was very intimidated by for some reason. Oh, wow. Like, nice. To be honest with you, I have a tendency to um, not try the things I'm, I'm intimidated by. Mm. And uh, not until someone can demonstrate and, and show me how easy it actually is to learn it, you know, or if I learn a few techniques, like say in Photoshop, that took forever for me to finally learn Photoshop and Illustrator. And then once I did, I found my, I found times where I got fascinated with it, mm. got really carried away, but you know, <clears throat> I, I really just got fascinated with uh, painting and drawing. You know, I love the challenge of all the challenge of using my hands to create these, uh, you know, not a software, but using my hands to create the, uh, you know, a pencil or a brush to create these realities, these worlds, these, <coughs> these uh, ethereal type of landscapes and monolithic symbols made from made out of these you know space hardware uh you know what i mean like yeah but you know when i started having well okay when i was i had that dream i did so i was having those dreams and then i, I was passing by the saturn 1b that's on over by the state line you know alabama tennessee state line and uh i thought well you know i've been having a lot of those dreams what if i if i did something involving the rockets and then i thought well you know if i were a kid like in my dreams and i were to find one of these things i would build a tree house i'd have to invite my friends we'd have our homemade spacesuits and we'd be space cadets space rangers you know yeah and, uh, you know, I say space cadets because I've started reincorporating uh, the humor in my work, you know, almost going a tad ridiculous in my stuff, you know, a bit yeah. absurd. And I'm taking the, the goofy, quirky ideas that I've suppressed for so long, finally adding that stuff back in, you know, like, like I got one that's a it's a flaming marshmallow on a stick and it's got rocket engines attached and there's a there's Lego Benny inside it. You know? Um, I, I saw that it, one the other day. It had me laughing, man. Yeah, I call it Don't Panic. You know, I've got another <laughs> one that I'm working on finishing up. It's one of those cardboard space camp rockets lawn darted into the ground. 
with a flower growing through it and these little Lego guys looking up at it like it's a big monolith. And, yeah. Um, you know, them goofy creatures that I that I paint uh, as a, a different series than the rockets. And it took me a while to finally break out of just sticking to the rocket theme and you know kind of allow my humor back out you know like in full not just little tiny bits of humor right because i suppress i feel like i suppressed my humor for a long time because you know i used to come across as really obnoxious and annoying and so i just kind of hit it and now i now i just seeing other artists out there really encourages me to just let loose and mm. make myself laugh when I'm painting these things. And, uh, but yeah, the, um, you talked about the art just flows. It really does. Uh, I used to not be able to think of anything to paint mm. or draw. And now I don't have nearly enough time to even put a dent in all the ideas I've got in my sketchbook. Yeah. So many things I'm just really dying to get, to get around the painting, you know, including, including a giant painting of, uh, maybe not a giant painting, but you know, a paint, a painting series involving the test stands, you know, mm. I've got these ideas sketched out of these, uh, engine test stands overgrown and, you know, people in boats around them because the place is flooded. Fun fact, the arsenal used to be a swamp. Um, you know, and there's you know, some glow-in-the-dark graffiti. It's like, if we're going to make this dreamy, why don't we make it completely dreamy? Let's put some glowing trees and glow-in-the-dark graffiti on it. Yeah. You know, make it look like we're on the boat coming up to this giant thing that looks like a huge fortress sticking out of the water. Yeah. But it's almost bioluminescent, like, mm. like you're in the movie avatar you know um you know i just i'm starting to say screw realism i want to go completely ridiculous and really draw people into that reality and make them want to go there you know make them i want to cause people to see the world around them through that perspective of what would what would i pretend this place were if i were a kid Mm. you know and a lot of my dreams, whether rocket related or not, have had a huge part to play in me seeing the world around me through these eyes as if I'm watching a sci-fi movie or yeah. I'm exploring an alien planet or exploring a dream world, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just that when the anxiety and the stress kicks in, it can rob you of that perspective and you know, if you have that ability to really shape your world around you, that uh, anxiety and stress will will suck the energy out of your creative ability to shape your world. I can relate a hundred percent. I mean, uh, um, let's talk about that a little bit because yeah. I don't really have the opportunity. To, I, I usually talk into the abyss, so um, mm. it's really nice to have somebody else to bounce this off of. Um, mm. You know, I. I have a lot of anxiety and stress uh, that I deal with, but this, this podcast for me was kind of my artistic outlet. And like that has helped me out, I think more than anything else. And now it's to the point where I'm shaping my whole life around making sure that this happens. Like it's non-negotiable 
I'm doing the podcast. I'm putting it out. I'm going to enjoy it. And then I went too far with that and pulled it back because, you know, I wasn't seeing anybody. I wasn't hanging out with anybody and I need, you know, you need friends. So, um, for you. And so when, when my artistic path stopped, it was, I was going into college, uh, to learn aerospace engineering, which was completely new again. Like I wasn't, I was smart for my town, but not smart for aerospace engineering. (laughs) So, um, for me, that's kicked my butt too. Yeah. So that's why I didn't go into a technical field is because of calculus. (laughs) Anyway, Mm. continue, sorry. No, no, not at all. I I think I'm, I'm like blown away by how many similarities I'm finding. Um, so that time period was extremely stressful and anxiety ridden. And I had, you mentioned like, I don't remember how you mentioned it, but kind of like stuffing it down, like not letting it, uh, you know, hiding it away and not expressing it. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until, you know, uh, years out, out of college and working on, on graduating cause I didn't graduate on time. So there's that whole stress. Um, but not, to make a long story short, um, it wasn't until I started doing this podcast and realizing, Oh, like I like this. I like getting on the mic. You know, for me it was performing in front of a crowd on playing music. And this is a, a way for me to do that and get that same thing. You know, I use Google keep for like all my ideas and you'll, it's just like an infinite scroll. Like I'm mm. just putting ideas in there nonstop. And it's like, it doesn't matter what the tool is. It's just how, how easily can I go from here to here and then not have to use the brain power to keep it up there. Mm-hmm. Um, for you, uh, do you feel like it was like a similar thing where like w- once you allowed yourself to open that up, it just kind of like came at you and you're just like, all right, I'll, <laughs> I guess I'll keep going. Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like, uh, some of the, some of the territory of ideas that started coming up with or that started coming to me mm. happened by accident at times, you mm. know, like when I, for instance, when I found that, saw that rocket and thought, well, I should do a rocket painting and like, what, start exploring that world in my head. Like, you know, it's always golden hour in my dreams. But the way I thought back as a kid, I'd see rockets, I'd always think of, I'd love to hang here at night. Mm. You know, we could hang out here, talk to aliens, talk to people that are in space, you know, have a party. Yeah. You know? It's the way your kid, where your kid brain thinks, you know, and then <laughs> same with when I'd see satellite dishes, I thought it was people talking to people in space, having a party, you know, and yeah. it was just fascinating to me. And, you know, never set in the uh, reality that people sit in observatories or secluded from the world and, and, you know, just crunching numbers the whole time. I don't even know what crunching a number is anyway. Um, <laughs> but then the ideas just started flowing to me involving rockets and I'd see all these space hardware pictures and I'd, I'd get fascinated. I started following space hipsters and, you know, the colors started jumping out at me in some of the pictures. And I thought, well, you know, and also working at space camp, seeing the uh, neon lights or the led lights, you know, the colored lights that were illuminating the mission floor um, where those, space station modules and Mars simulator, you know, Mars base simulators and, you know, the Orion capsules and 
all those things are being illuminated like these almost pastel but also almost neon colors you know these blues soft blues and yellows and pinks and it just suddenly all the the ideas for colors in my work started just really coming to me you know and it I get, I'm getting at something, I promise, but... Um... No, I, I think it's great, man. Like, uh, take a second to think about it, but, like, the thing that you're... That uh, it seems like to me is, like, environment, right? Like, environment plays such a big role, and you're yeah. you're living in this place where you have rock, you know, rocket history just kind of, like, all over the place. It's, um, it's, it's kind of magical, man, to see yeah. how much that can just... Just living in a place like that yeah. can influence you. But, like, you know, going to traveling start traveling to you know going to art shows in different cities from time to time and you know started going to chattanooga a lot because it's only two hours away and it's really beautiful and the mountains are even though they're not the rockies or the appalachians necessarily mm. they uh the mountains there are still a lot bigger than they are here and um started having all these crazy dreams about mountains and you know, having dreams about Huntsville being flooded and, and it's always been always in golden hour and the context was really strange. Like people in these weird structures uh, just hanging out while the city was flooded and, you know, these rockets that were also somehow part of a thrill ride. Um, it was really scary, but fascinating. And you know, then the pandemic happened and I'm offering lessons on, um, you know, over Skype or Zoom, FaceTime, you know, art lessons. Only ended up giving two lessons um, before I had a really goofy creature drawn up as a demo. And I posted it and everybody started making requests for, you know, paint me, paint me a goofy creature, paint me a goofy otter based on your style. And so I drew an otter with like, I painted a blue otter in a silver spacesuit and he's drinking a beer and, you know, and everybody started making these requests for all these other animals and people started making requests for pet portraits. And I started doing crazy, goofy pet portraits and, that became kind of a regular thing for me and, you know, easy to get burned out doing it. But then as you experiment with different things, like I was experimenting with drawing and painting a, a camel whose body is a bathtub and, and his humps are two little mountains sticking out of the water of this bathtub. And there's like little cars um, driving up this these little bitty mountains, little houses on, and a rocket launch pad, and a, a UFO flying up to this camel's face, checking him out. And his tail is his tail is like electrical cords that are not plugged into the wall. Um, you know, and it's just extremely goofy. And his feet are are made of his legs are made of water. And his feet are puddles, and there's a little 
little boat inside this puddle with a little mouse in it. And, you know, I'm just going completely all out ridiculous. And the camel's smoking a pipe or a cigarette or something. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, but it got me fascinated with the idea of drawing these little miniature worlds. And then I go to Meow Wolf a couple weeks ago and I see all these uh, glass cases or well, probably plexi cases with uh, in this one room with all these little miniature worlds, these little islands. They're these floating islands like what you see in Avatar, but they're like held together by different materials. Some of them held together by or linked by wire bridges or, you know, vegetation or, you know, there's crystals growing all over some of them. And, you know, there's these, you know, houses and buildings and just all these crazy, surreal little tiny worlds. And, uh, and it just got, I was like, bam, there's permission to do the kind of series I want to do Yeah, based on some of these goofy ideas rolling around in my head and on my in my sketchbook and that's the permission to do it because if it's there it means somebody likes it like if it's at me wolf it means someone likes that kind of stuff yeah and it means i get to do that kind of thing because someone will like it and um so in other words nothing's off limits you know basically what i'm getting at is the more i experiment the more I explore, what could I add to this? What could I add to that? Just little goofy ideas, you know, that, that come to me just, you know, because they seem funny to me. Yeah. And um, those things come to me and then I'm like, I'm like, okay, I have to do it. And then more ideas stem from that. Yeah. You know, I noticed the other night I'm, I'm sitting there watching a movie and I'm, sketching one of these goofy little worlds and then i'm thinking well this thing needs an outhouse wait a second i'm gonna draw an outhouse on a cloud with um you know with an antenna on it and um and the roots are coming down through the bottom of the cloud and there's a tree um in this cloud wrapped around this outhouse and there's an owl sitting on the branch and you know, i'm just gonna call it the outpost you know and, yeah um you know while i'm thinking of that I have all these other ideas. Wait a second. I need to put a cactus growing out of a cloud and there's houses and launch platforms and landing pads for UFOs on this cactus and little drawbridges and roadways, you know, just go completely absurd, you know? Yeah. And I can never seem to finish one of those ideas because another one comes to me that I, I have to, I absolutely have to start drawing out at least so I remember it. Mm. And then I can return to these other ones. And um, I often finish the sketch ideas when I'm bored and can't necessarily or not really thinking of anything new because I don't feel inspired at that moment. Mm. But, you know, hey, I can I can work on this other one. And while, while I'm working on tightening up some of these other sketches, more ideas start coming to me. And I got to put, you know, even puns like, you know, I have these two bombshells that I set outside my studio on public days so people can be like, oh, look, bombs. Oh, wait, this guy's got space art. You know, this guy's yeah. got surreal. Oh, cool. And then I thought bombshells. I need to do, you know, I, it just came to me. 
I had to do a, a sketch of bombshells underwater or bombs underwater with coral growing on them. Mm. And I want to call it She Sells Bombshells by the Seashore. You know, just different yeah. ideas. That's like this realization came to me like a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And I've been realizing it more and more. But basically, there does not have to be super deep meaning in anything I do. As I was trying to apply all this, you know, deep message and, mm. you know, I want my art to reach people. I want it to make a difference. I want, you know, and then I realized, wait a second, not everything I do has to be that pretentious. Mm. You know, not everything I do has to, has to preach to somebody, mm. you know, if, if nothing else, it can make them laugh and it could maybe maybe just the subject matter as hilarious as it is as it is and as colorful as it can be can do the work that me trying to explain something deep can can do right maybe even better you know mm. so you know screw having to put so much meaning in in my work and instead of this particular rocket you know being overgrown and reclaimed and communicating something deep maybe it's just a space probe melting just because it looks cool yeah <laughs> or falling in the water with little power stars from mario falling around it and you know, maybe it's a maybe it's a, a camel smoking a cigarette and he's he doesn't hold water mm. you know because he's a bathtub that's leaking yeah or whatever you know maybe it's a fish in a flying saucer and the fish is smoking a pipe that's blowing bubbles you know because my goldfish died the other day mm. and i it was a one that me and two of my artist friends from the art center won at a fair by throwing ping pong balls in the cups you know mm -hmm. so we each won a fish and had them all together and i named mine winston and he's the one that died Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about Winston. Yeah, pour one out for him. Or, you know, that's it. That's it. Or I don't know. He had a proper burial. You know, it's good. Flushed down the toilet, and my friend sang to him. As Beautiful. Going down. I don't know what she sang, but you know, um, you know, twenty-one gun salute. You know, like, water pistol salute. You know? There we go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, basically just got to a point where literally everything's starting to inspire me. Yeah. And uh, whether it's toys that I see somewhere or the mountains I see as I'm passing through Colorado or Utah or wherever a couple weeks ago, or maybe it's, you know, maybe it's just an animal doing a goofy thing or, um, Maybe it's somebody else's work. Mm. But I find myself feeling inspired a lot of the time, even if I don't know exactly what it's inspiring me to create. It's just adding fuel to that, you know? Yeah. So I yeah. probably went very long-winded on that answer, sorry. No, you're, you're preaching to the choir here as far as that's concerned. Like a lot of the stuff, a lot of the mindset we talk about here is, you know, not making things perfect right like perfection was like my uh, you talked wow. about that thing like being a perfectionist prevented me from doing so many things and then when i finally like let that drop and i just gave myself permission to just do it and keep putting it out there 
All those things I was hoping I would do by being a perfectionist ended up happening. And then it just felt like I could have fun with it. And I wasn't like beating myself up trying to make it work. So like I relate to that a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Perfection is a, uh, a killer of inspiration. And Mm -hmm. while I aim to make things look as awesome as possible, is still, you know, and there's a difference between with a, you know, as the word would be excellence versus perfectionism. Perfectionism is driven by fear that if I, oftentimes perfectionism kept me from going for things I was curious about. For instance, I really would love to get into 3D design art, you know, and I'd love to get into graphic design a bit more than, than I've, been and i'd love to um i'd love to record an album and i'm a musician was primarily you know now it's just playing in a 90s cover band but uh you're playing though that's great yeah and it's gotten me you know fascinated with guitar again to where i'm half the time i can't quit thinking about guitars i'd like to put guitar project guitars i'd love to put together you know and yeah it's a matter of time but um perfection kept the you know perfectionism kept me from getting into 3d design because well it's gonna take me way too long to get good at it Mm. or kept me from um going for graphic design for a job because what if i'm not as good as at it as the other people you know mm-hmm. because my naturally my brain doesn't think on a graphic design level it thinks on a it thinks on a world building kind of level mm-hmm. you know very detailed and but yeah about perfectionism versus excellence excellence is like ooh, this would look really cool if i did this and it would look really cool if i added this detail and if i added that detail what if I what if I added this kind of lighting right here? This, you know, you know, per, excellence allows for experimentation. Mm. Perfection is afraid of experimentation because well, what if I ruin it? Yeah, and you know, but even then, I tend to always come back to the paintings that I ruin or. Um, frustrate myself on I eventually come back to them and finish them and make them something I'm proud of but you know perfectionism has caused me to feel like I had to wait forever to be able to put out a certain print because you know I wanted to do a reshoot of it or I wanted to never ready yeah that's I feel if if the I I don't want to say story of my life but (laughs) It's, it was the story of my life, so I could say that. <laughs> I feel a lot of times I feel like the story of my life is some kind of struggle between never ready versus, you know, can't keep up with my own creative mind. Yeah. Um, so many things I want to do that I feel too overwhelmed to try anything new. Mm. You know, and it's like it takes me forever to try new things because well, it's going to take time and experimentation and what I'm already good at 
I could produce something faster that way, but um, but then I'm not nearly as satisfied. Mm. I'm always a lot more satisfied if I just say, you know, to hell with the limitations. Let's at least try this, and it could look cool. It might might be a flop, but it might lead to other ideas. Right. That yeah, and it leads to other ideas that that I become fascinated with. Then it's a win. I mean, you know, I realized that the way I know I've done something good is not necessarily based on the response it gets from people because sometimes, sometimes I paint things that, that other people don't really respond to all that much, but it excites me a lot. Mm. Then again, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, maybe I'm lying there. Because it always seems that a lot of times it seems that the one, the things, the ideas that I get most excited about and really just go after, get the best response a lot of the time. Yeah. And there are times when I feel, hey, this would be really awesome. What if I framed it this way? What if I, you know, what if I did this t- to the thing? Like, oh my God, that's so cool. And then nobody notices, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, I guess what I'm getting at is the mark of success in my own work. I know I've done a good job when I'm, I know it sounds egotistical to say, and people sometimes will interpret it that way. I mean, I've been told I'm full of myself more times than I can count, but it's like, no, you don't realize I'm actually full of a lot of insecurity, Mm. but what I am but I, what I am is extremely excited about the ideas I want to create. It's not that these ideas are better than anybody else's. Right. They are just fascinating to me. And I want people to be fascinated by them too, so that I can make a living. Right. Um, that's not being right. full of yourself. No. That's called being in love with what you, what you do and what you're trying to express. Yeah. And it's, it's purpose, you know, and, tell you how many times people think that people who are following after something that's burning inside them Mm. um i'm not talking like taco bell burning inside you i'm talking uh yeah (laughs) there's that there's that absurd humor that i like to throw in my words sometimes (laughs) but um a lot of people don't realize that you know when following after what you feel is purpose something burns within you that you can't ignore and you can't you know just shove aside you know at times you go after the thing you're really passionate about the thing that you feel gives you purpose and you always get accused of either being lazy irresponsible egotistical full of yourself it's like you know, now I'm just, I'm just socially awkward and, and, uh, and I have this thing that I feel gives me something to be proud of, you know? Yeah. Oh, the neck just pops. Can you edit that one out? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, and it's a lot of times people who haven't quite found that drive yet, um, they might be into thing. They might be you know, for instance, I've dealt, I've, uh, I've had conversations with artists who they seem to think I was 
don't know, they seem to dislike me, but you know, look at their art and they still haven't quite figured out what they want to paint or what mm. they want to do. They don't, when you find people who don't really have a whole lot of direction for what they're doing, even if they got the skill, they haven't mm -hmm. quite found that spark yet. Mm -hmm. They will, you know, they'll think badly, poorly of people who are, who are, who have found that. You know, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, have you ever um have you ever read the book uh The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield? No. So in that book, he talks about this idea of um resistance, and if you're following that thing that you're talking about, um, whatever fire that burns inside of you that's that's not Taco Bell, um, <laughs> like when you do that, it 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 is almost like a law of nature that people around you not all people but some people are going to like react to that um and it could be people close to you it could be people around you like people working and it's again this is not a scientific thing but it, i've seen it i've seen it myself and i think a lot of what held me back earlier with some of those passions was was seeing that resistance and not not wanting to you know, wanting people to like me and, and all those kind of things that humans have. Um, that kind of kept me down for a while. Um, and then, of course, feeling stupid in a place like uh, my college where that's that's just a dumb thing to think in the first place because all those people are smart, right? But that resistance of, like, I'm here, I'm doing what I love, I'm passionate. Like, that thing is what brings people to you, right? Like, that's – I I people that reach out about this podcast, like, I can't tell you how many people have said – Hey, I don't know half the stuff that you're talking about, but because you're passionate about it and you're excited about it, I want to listen. Mm -hmm. And like that's the that's the greatest compliment I could I could get because I mean I I truly don't I truly believe that you don't need to be super technically um you know, a high technical aptitude to understand space. The the, it, yeah. the you don't have to be a rocket scientist to love space. Right. And um you know, I'll I'll keep pushing that forward and trying to you know i think on 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 my end and i i feel like it's what you're saying too is like our job is to keep doing keep putting stuff out keep doing the things that we're passionate about because as soon as we stop doing the things we're passionate about that's that's the the sellout point that's the point where you're like is this what i want to do anymore is this you know um and i think as long as you're still going after that thing and following that flame i don't think i think that's the right way to do it yeah and uh so listen to the to that voice of fascination and not that voice of anxiety mm. or it's to go through with a thing anyway despite you know, it's when you when you're following after, you know, that that drive that that flame. When you're when you're riding that wave, you are gonna have to. You you are gonna have to try things that. You know that you don't know how to do, mm. and you are gonna have to. You know, it's going to lead you down paths that you don't already know the the way. 
and you just gotta you just gotta learn as you go and mm. it's been very you know very hard for me to put into practice um mm. easier to put into practice with with artwork itself but not when it comes to business practice like yes such as um i suck at making reels um <laughs> and i don't know why it seems like a lot of you know artists who are really really into what they do um you know to the point of it being like an obsession or a mad scientist in a laboratory that's what i feel like sometimes mm-hmm. it why do we suck at technology why do we suck at reels and you know you should make podcast or you should make a podcast you should make a you know time-lapse videos of your artwork you should you should do nfts you know that's yeah (laughs) i still haven't done nfts partly because i don't know what i'm doing a big part because i don't know what i'm doing you know for one you know being told oh you have to have like a ton of different variety of each individual one you know and you have to have someone to program it for you right I know nothing about programming. Yeah. And and I don't quite know how to find the people to help with that. But, you know, the other part is that fear of, well, what if, what if my uh, image gets stolen from me? Mm. You know, because everybody says, oh yeah, NFTs are the future of art, man. You know, they're completely safe. Right just like vaping is completely safe too because we haven't had any reported issues of people getting any lung issues from it you know that's what and now suddenly we are you know like not that's not a commentary on vaping whatsoever it's just no but i hear what you're saying yeah nfts they're safe and secure because no one's had an issue with them until they start having issues with them and then yeah oh well i guess nfts aren't 100 percent safe (laughs) <laughs> who'd have thunk it you know but uh yeah i don't know it's like i'd still like to to try it if i can find the right people to help mm-hmm. i really want to do kids books too and mm. uh if i can find the right people to help with that because i i gotta be honest with you i don't really have good business sense mm. uh oh i'm learning myself man like honestly like eight years in and i'm i'm finally at the point where um that those things are starting to piece together. But like, even, you know, I do a podcast about all things space. My, the thing that I, that got me to that point was music and a degree in that yeah. nowhere in that was business. <laughs> and so like, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what I was, that's what I was going for before graphic design. So, mm. um, two-year program thankfully it was only two years but uh you know it was the whole recording industry thing and they didn't teach us any of the business side of it all they taught us was Mm -hmm. uh, how to run a soundboard and how to record but they didn't teach us like how to get a job in that field right how to uh i never went for that because i was afraid because i didn't Mm -hmm. do as well as all the other people in my recording classes Mm. play circles around him on guitar but i didn't have the uh i was very intimidated because i didn't have the 
the, that innate understanding of using technology. Yeah. You know? So, well, it's funny, like for me, uh, going back to like the doing, um, and, and just, just going out there and trying it when the time is right. Like for me, it was, I didn't learn business until I started, I had gotten a 3d printer while, um, I was towards the end of my, uh, school time and tinkered around with that and then realized I could start selling stuff and then had to figure out, okay, like how much does this actually cost me to run this thing? Like what? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until I like had something to actually price out or make a business around that I actually learned business. Yeah. If you even call it that, right? Um, I, gu I guess I should call it. It is a small business. I, <laughs> we are like this podcast only exists because that business exists. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is you mentioned it, like having when you got the right people when the time's right, like and just being ready to jump on it when when that's there. And I think a lot of the stuff that I learned was like, well, what can I do today? Like I have all these ideas. Don't forget them. Write them down. Keep them. But like, what can I do today? Because like, yeah. that was that perfectionist thing. Like, oh, I, I can't do anything until I can do that big thing. Well, yeah. that big thing's never going to happen if you don't, if you, if you, yeah. I used to think of it like riding a wave. Like if you don't learn how to ride a wave, then when the big wave comes, you're not ready for it. So right. keep, keep riding those waves when they come, take the opportunity and you'll get better at hanging on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um. Uh... That's a, yeah, because that fear of failure will lead to procrastination too, mm. which can lead to getting behind in everything too, because you yes. just get overwhelmed. And honestly, I'm in a place like that where I feel overwhelmed by everything and I'm trying to get caught up on some things and, but I have to continue the art because I've got orders I've got to finish for people. And, mm. you know, I've got, you know, all the tax stuff that's really complicated and you know so well this is the good thing about the internet like you know uh we are now uh acquaintances we're now internet friends so i i'm glad that we met and i can introduce you to some people and you can introduce me to some people and yeah. you know we can we can learn from each other we don't have to be i think that's another thing about business is like some of the most successful people in the world weren't experts in every aspect of it you know like yeah. um they just found the right person or learned the right thing from the right person and then they they were able to just leverage their strengths that's that's a very very common thing um, yeah. it just takes those people who want to get out there and do it so mm -hmm. yeah yeah um yeah, it seems like one of the questions you had written down was about the uh, business side of things. Yeah. You know, and what were the, you know, things I've had to learn along the way or, you know, like, I mean, it took literally just asking all the dumbest questions to mm -hmm. people who have already been doing it and then finding out, you know, a year or two later, oh, wait, I'm actually doing better at this than they are, you mm -hmm. know, like, for instance, uh, you know, I thought anybody who had a a studio at Low Mill, the arts and entertainment place that we have, that I have a studio at, but anybody who had a place there who sold originals, they must have been experts at pricing their work. Mm -hmm. Wow, how do you price your work? And I find out, oh, it's actually not too hard. And turns out I price my work fairly for 
gotten a, I've gotten a sense of how to price my work fairly for the amount of work I put into it and for the amount of amazement people are going to get when they see it, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, or also, it's going to take this much for me to feel comfortable letting go of it. Okay, that's a fair way to price it, honestly. Yeah. You know, and if if you overprice your stuff, well, it's just not going to sell. And it's still a fair price. This is what it's going to cost. Like, for instance, say I want to charge 50 bucks for a postcard. You know, yeah, that's a bit extreme. Um, But if it's a special postcard to me and someone wants to pay that 50 bucks for that postcard, um, well, I priced it fairly because they decided it was worth it to them to pay that. Mm. Sure. Okay. Um, same with a painting, like I've got one that I jokingly, uh, price at 10 K. Um, but it's my favorite one and it's the one I'm most proud of. And if someone wants to pay me 5k for it, I'd probably be like, uh, yeah, sure. If someone wants to pay me 10 K for it. Great. Yeah. But if someone (laughs) wants to say it's overpriced, I'll be like, no, it's not overpriced. You know, maybe it's maybe other people wouldn't price it at that much, but mm-hmm. to me, that's what I'm gonna say. You've got to pay me in order for me to hand it over to you. And yeah. like, because like, you know, you got to take into consideration there are other things besides just how many hours went into it and the cost of materials. It's you know, because that's the kind of thing that goes into just production of a, of a of a product. Right. My individual paintings are not, to me, they're not really product. They are creations, you know, the difference between a creation and a product. I mean, it's like, um, I mean, you know, you price a creation really expensive. If someone doesn't want to pay that, then it's fair. They don't have to pay it and they don't have to own it. That's fine. Yeah. But, you know, if they decide they want to, great had people complain about my prices and then you know someone a few months later or following year come by and fall in love with it and decide they want to pay it yeah awesome it's a win-win right there i mean even if i had to hold on to it longer i still sold it you know and yeah it's to the right person too right, right. That's the other thing i want my like... stuff going to the people who really really love my work i mean yeah i had one guy find me through a gallery um, because there was a framed print of a certain painting of mine mm. of an Atlas five sticking out of the waves with a, with a, uh, you know, it was colored like a, uh, sorry, computer keeps sliding on. Oh, okay. The, uh, you know, the coloration was like a, like an infrared photo. Mm. And uh, he saw this uh, painting or this print of mine. It was, it was the blue version whereas the original was the red version. Mm. Um, and he's like, do you have any, uh, any, any his prints left? And I said, well, yeah, I do. But um, I, mean, I think he was asking about the original. I said, yeah, the original is not blue, though. It's red. So I showed him and he liked that even better. Mm. And he didn't want to pay the original price I was, at, I was asking. But he did he did um, agree to a price I was happy for. 
And he drove all the way down from Pennsylvania to, to pick it up from me. And uh, he is so proud to own that thing. And I'm so happy that he's the one who has it because of how happy it makes him. Yeah. And, you know, even though I, I've had people, plenty of people say, oh, that's cool, but I, I don't want to buy it, you know, they buy the prints, but they don't want to buy the original. It's fine. Like, it's, gonna, it's eventually going to go to the right people, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there's so much power too in that, like that you uh, think about all the things that we buy and how non-negotiable everything is on the consumer side of things. Like for you to be able to have the power to be like, Hey, look, yeah, this was the price, but it seems like you really do love this. So, all right, let's figure something out. And then that experience you have to give that person that creation. I mean, that's, you know, uh, that to me is, I think why, why you, learn the business side of things that you can find that value that that mid ground not not to like penny pinch people or to like try and get a bunch of money but to just get the right value for your for your work right um it's beautiful man yeah i mean to me it's not about trying to get rich or anything it's not even about trying to get famous it's about wanting to be able to sustain myself through what i love doing Mm. and you know I'd, I'd rather go to the right people um, and, you know, I, I don't, I don't have to make a million dollars on a painting, but, you know, I at least want to be able to pay my bills and be able to basic. It's like, it feels like it's a game of buying myself time to make more creations. Yeah, totally. Sense? Like, absolutely. That's all I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, so. There's, there's a lot like I'll be honest with you one of the, the biggest obstacle in making a business or you know trying to be trying to be a full-time artist in a town where or in a in a world where everybody says you can't make a living as an artist and in a town that doesn't necessarily feel like it values the arts because it values all the technical things it values missiles and rockets more than you know and sports ball more than it values uh you know creative culture Mm. and uh i mean it took forever for us to get a a venue a concert venue that band that touring bands would actually show up to Mm. you know like we just started getting good concerts within the past year or two i mean before that it was you know either washed up bands who were still trying to hang on or it was you know cringy bands that you know you know attract a certain type of crowd but Mm. not like me for instance um we used to get really good concerts back in the day. I mean, when I was a kid, we had Van Halen show up to Huntsville, but Damn. never again, you know, yeah. like Rush showed up to Huntsville in the seventies and said, never again. Wow. Um, you know, but finally got a really good, they, they finally started making some changes and, and putting in some infrastructure for this kind of thing. And, you know, I broke my, my concert dry spell, you know, due to the pandemic, I broke it by going and seeing, you know, Mammoth, you know, Wolfgang Van Halen's or, you know, Eddie Van Halen's son. Yeah. 
and uh you know went and saw primus and flogging molly you know all these bands are starting to come here now but we still don't quite have so your picture just disappeared yeah i don't know what's going on with my camera sorry (laughs) yeah we're finally back to a place where you know we got we got good bands coming through i mean we had dave matthews bands show up uh not i'm not into that but yeah but still yeah but it's awesome that that happened you know last night was uh vince gill and uh you know we got all these bands starting to come through now but still there's something missing from huntsville and that's uh that's creative culture not just hey we have entertainment now right Uh, now we have entertainment Mm. but creative culture is really slowly trying to grow and it's a town of engineers so it almost feels like like it's a lost cause to force a creative culture in a town that doesn't necessarily see value in it Mm. um much as i really love the idea of making places look uh you know making the town look like an amazing place to be us having real art, actual artistic places to go besides just one art center, mm. you know. And uh, when you go to Denver, and there's murals everywhere. There, are, there's that Meow Wolf place I told you about. Yeah. And there's, uh, you know, the aesthetics everywhere are just mind blowing. Mm. And you know, but yeah, I love Huntsville. It's just we don't quite we're not there yet as yeah. far as the creativity and but um but you are there yeah there are, there's a small pocket of artists yes yeah. but uh you know there, i can't say how often i feel this desire to go to another town mm. where i feel or where i'll be more among my people you yeah. know and uh but I was going to say, though, the the biggest obstacle to uh, being creative in a town like this or in a world like in a society like we're in um, is not, you know, the logistical steps. It's not the, lo- the logistics of it. It's burnout. Mm. And to be honest, I feel very burned out lately. Um, you know, and I've got so many, it's almost like a, you know, not only that artists often deal with depression, creative people deal with depression and that depression and burnout go hand in hand. And, uh, it's, you know, it, it almost causes you to see reality through a lens of, uh, impending doom mm. and i'm trying to fight to get out of that i have i have i've gotten through it before i'll get through it again it's just a matter of uh recognizing what steps what practical steps to take when you're going through that when sometimes you can't find the, the motivation to get out of bed you know yeah. I mean, you have to anyway but you know like so that's one of the biggest things I'm learning is how to push through burnout. You know, you ask, you know, what are some of the, some of the things I've had to learn as a 
artist, as a business owner, as a self-employed artist, it's um, not giving up hope. It's uh, staying positive and being creative in my solutions, attempting to be creative in my solutions when I don't have somebody there to tell me what to do. I don't have somebody yeah. there to to um, guide me through any of it. Yeah. And, uh, I can ask questions, but I'm doing a very different thing than a lot of the people who I can ask those questions to. So, so it's like I can learn principles from them, but I got to be the one to figure out the, the way to apply it to what I'm specifically doing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. I, I appreciate the, the honesty of that because you're definitely not the only, you're not, not alone in the, in that, in that struggle. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people are gonna are gonna relate to you in that. Uh, I think a lot of people are going through the same thing right now, um, especially if they're tackling a creative endeavor. It's it's a surprisingly lonely uh, journey, or a, um, almost like a like a traveling samurai, almost. You know, where it's like, yeah. look, you have your your skill, you're a master in your craft, but you know you it's on it's on to the next town kind of thing and how can i be of use to society mm. how can i figure out how to get integrated into a place where i want to be doing mm. what i love doing and cause them to see the value in what i'm doing mm. so that i can exist here mm. you know it's uh it's a weird game it's a weird game and like we all uh we all have the simultaneous like access to everyone on the planet and then also simultaneously feeling like we're completely alone it's a very yeah. very strange time to be a human for sure <laughs> yeah and uh, you know that um i really feel like a lot of those I, this is kind of a side note but <laughs> as you said you know feeling alone and you know the isolation the word isolation was coming to mind and to me, it really, like, some of my imagery is brought back up in my mind as I'm seeing this. Like, I'm seeing, like, this painting I did of a melting space probe, you know? Mm. Like, it's it's isolated and it can't get off the ground. It's stuck there, you know? And it's like, I don't, I don't know the meaning of that one. I did it just because it looked cool, but isolation definitely has a part to play in it, I feel. You know, um, sometimes the meaning will come to you mm. about, about your work after you've done it just yeah. because sometimes I'll do work just for the hell of it and then the meaning will come later and it'll turn out to have a really deep meaning to me Yeah. well uh, a title will come to me to, to apply to that painting and then suddenly it takes on this context that just brings me to tears you know? yeah. and uh, it's like I, I know that particular one just works and because it it communicates a certain thing all of a sudden and puts it in a different like kind of the the weird juxtaposition of sad lyrics on, on happy sounding music or um hilarious lyrics over really dark music yeah um there's one artist i listened to devin townsend Mm. Uh, a metal artist but you know, he's got this one album it's musically it's 
it's dreamy and it's extremely dark, sometimes chaotic mm. and very melodic and just, you know, intense is the only way to describe it. One extreme to the other, but the lyrics are all about an alien who comes to earth to steal all the earth's coffee because it has the power to bend space and time. Um, and the whole entire narration and, and the, it's just ridiculous and hilarious. Oh, I gotta check this out. Yeah. That's I'll great. send you the link for it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but, uh, Ziltoid, the omniscient. But, uh, but yeah, like, yeah, just not giving up is the, is the trick. It's the, mm. you know what I mean? Like, and, and almost tricking yourself to get through that. Like, I, I find myself doing that a lot where, like, if I hit up, hit a wall, um, I learned this from listening to a lot of stand-up comics um, where like they'll go listen to somebody else's show or they'll sit in and be an audience member just to just see how someone else does it to get influenced or, or go to a movie or something like you other creativity can help you find your creativity again or fill you back up, fill that tank up as I like to think of it. Yeah. Um, because yeah, man, burnout's a real thing and everyone's susceptible to it. And sometimes it's out of our control. Like sometimes just stuff piles up and we're, it's a whole bunch of change real fast and it just, your body's got to adjust to it. Mm. Um, I find myself sometimes hiding away just to, to fill that tank back up because I know I can just feel it coming. Um, Mm -hmm. I've gotten to, to tune that in a little bit. Um, yeah. So it's like, I think the most important thing that, as a creative, um, but the most important thing you can do to come up with your best material, um, whether it's a podcast or whether it's music or whether it's uh, art is stay inspired, um, stay fascinated. And that's about the only time you're going to put out your most authentic work. And people can tell when you're putting out your most authentic work versus when you're putting out stuff just because you think it's going to sell yeah and you know oftentimes there's been there been times where i've been afraid to explore or just hesitant to explore any certain area because i i was unsure if i was going to be able to come up with anything authentic Mm. because i don't want to um I just know I'm not going to be able to come up with anything authentic if I'm not interested, if I'm not fascinated. Uh, And drawing a blank here. Uh, No, so I face this a lot, and you know I have friends that that want the best for me and you know i can tell you over the years how many people have been like oh you should be doing videos about this or you should do your videos you know change your video titles so that they're more catchy and like i i probably have lost a lot of momentum from the algorithm but i don't care like i'm not i'm not doing this to hack the algorithm i'm not doing this to to get a million views i'm doing this because i love it and then in the process learn some of the things so that i can do it in a way that I want to. 
I'd love um, to hack the algorithm, but I'll be know. great. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change what I do to do something gimmicky in order to in order to just grab attention, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm, you know, the type of person who's all like, pay attention to me, me, me. I can be sometimes. Yeah. I want, or at least I want people to notice my work. Right. Um, you know, there's always that fight for relevance and mm-hmm. to try and, um, you know, stay interesting. But like, if you're if you're not doing something that you are extremely interested in it's not going to jump out at other people yeah unless you're literally trying to go step by step to try and make a trending video by following the trends i don't know who design who who decides those trends or i don't know i looked it up and it's like people are getting less likes on their on their image posts now because because people now want to see videos. I was like, who decided that all of a sudden? Why am I engagement all of a sudden one day just go down on my image posts? Yeah. And it's like, um, you know, yeah, this thing's really it is totally not rigged, you know? And, yeah. Um, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go pour pour paint on a canvas and then spin it and ruin a make a mess and then bow in front of the bow for the camera just to get a million views on a on a video where people are going to tell me that it's not real art right you know because that's that's part of the appeal is that it's controversial Mm. and i don't want to make controversial art i want to make art that sparks something beautiful in people Mm. and I want to, I want to make art that I'm actually really into and not, you know, play the system. Yeah. I don't know how to play the system. I'm not even good at that kind of thing. As someone who's, who's toiled with it for a long time, I've, I've learned from like, um, the one person that helped make sense of some of it, uh, was Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with him. I've got one of his books. I got two pages into it. Nice. Yeah. Board. Yeah. He's he's good. He's got a lot of different ways you can take in his stuff. Um, which but book? which book? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see. Crush it. I think was the first one that I I listen to books. I can't read. It, this doesn't stick. Um, That's probably the problem with me too. And... Yeah, and he reads his books. So you kind of get his like flair on it too. Um, uh, Twelve and a half uh, is his new book. Um, which if you're if you're into it, I, I have a copy I can send you, but, um, you know, if, if reading's not your thing, I think it's available on audio too. Um, but he, I've just listened to enough of his stuff that the message finally stuck. And I took some of his advice of just like poking around, like the, he helped me crack that perfectionist thing of just do like put out content, stop overthinking content. Like it's, it's just, you're already doing it. Just find a way to put it out there consistently so that people can see it you know um Mm. one thing that i still struggle with but i've gotten a lot better is like when i put something out i feel like everyone has seen it and so then i get bored with it and i'm like well i've seen it because i have i edit all my stuff so i've by the time it gets released i've probably heard or listened to it six times so by that i'm just i just drive myself crazy so 
part of the thing with the doing was it kind of helped me just not worried about getting bored where it's like, I always learn the lesson again, where it's like, there's always someone out there that hasn't seen the stuff or who, you know, a lot of what I'm trying to do is spread space and science content that people learn about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many people who've never, it just has never come across like all the James Webb space telescope stuff. I had to stop going online because it was making me get tired of it. And I don't want to do that. So mm-hmm. I had to f- go away from online and start focusing on like, okay, what, what did I find interesting? And, um, you know, I'm working right now on, on putting together that James Webb space telescope episode where I'm just going to sit down. I'm going to go through each image. I'm probably going to put it up on a screen and zoom in and just talk about what excites me about it. I mean, I, I'm at that point. I've learned a few things. I'll share those and that's it. Like that's, um, and I'll just keep doing that. And that, is has been i think the most freeing thing is like learning that you know once you get to the point where where i feel like i'm overthinking it i'm like all right just do it Uh, i'm not gonna you know i i feel that that over overthinking coming so let's yeah let's let's trick myself into not overthinking yeah for me it's uh just deciding you know what i don't know how exactly to make a super amazing trending reel, but I'll learn by just attempting. I'll, I'll yeah. learn a bit more each time. Eventually I will put out some reels that, that go viral eventually. Yeah. 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 Like it doesn't have to happen immediately. No. And, that, and that's the beautiful thing. Not man. to give up in the meantime, you know, I know. No, believe me. <laughs> like, I hear you. I just want someone to make the videos for me. Mm. and let me just focus on painting yeah just that's that's me with editing i i do wish i could pass off the editing to somebody else and one day i'm sure it will happen Mm. um but i do hear you yeah the there's some other things you wanted to ask or i mean i've taken up a lot of your time so i appreciate uh every minute i i think what i'd like to do is just tell the folks about let's do a little business here <laughs> tell the folks about like where they can find you where where your social media stuff is where they can find some of your artwork and you know the best way to to get in touch all right well um my uh website is ethereal geometry arts that is ethereal as in e-t-h-e-r-e-a-l i have to spell that for everybody just about so i figured i'd go ahead ethereal geometry um my instagram is where i post most consistently at uh, ethereal geometry i also have uh, a couple of other ones that are a bit more hilarious um let's see it's so to see some of my really weird creations. My uh, yeah, I have I have one that's uh, Chris Chris Wade's weirder art, <laughs> and it's uh, ADHD underscore air underscore and underscore space. Um, a lot of underscores, unfortunately. I but like that though. Yeah, it's because it's from a series called the ADHD Air and Space Zoo, mm. and. Uh, just all my wacky creatures, including my pet portraits. Um, Cause I do some hilarious pet portraits and I have enjoyed them. <laughs> you know, and I like to do uh, just really funny 
creatures that make no sense, including like, like one of them is a set of dentures with uh, really jacked up teeth and duck feet and little eyeball stalks. Um, you know, I named him uh, Ace Dentura. Because uh, why not, you know? Um, you know, one of them's a armadillo vacuum cleaner um, <laughs> with, a, with a rocket on his back and he's smoking a pipe and he's got a cowboy hat on, you know, just really hilarious stuff. So anyway, uh, that's how I find me is, is just ethereal geometry on Instagram, ethereal geometry arts on uh, online or etherealgeometryarts.com and ethereal geometry arts on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Is there yeah. anything else you'd like to know? I'm happy to give more, uh, more explanation on anything really. I mean, up to you. Yeah. Well, I think we should do a whole other episode. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, I think we've, yeah. we've tapped into a whole bunch here. Um, let's cap it off and, and, and go, f- go for another in, in the future here. Um, now in, in real life, if someone's in Huntsville and they wanted to visit your studio, is that something people could do? Yeah. Just, uh, I prefer them send me a message to let me know they're coming by because a lot of times I'm out running errands and mm. plenty of times people be like, Hey, I stopped at your studio, but you weren't there. Well, did you message me to let me know? Cause you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> there's only one of me and I got to do all the, I got to, I got to do all the stuff. <laughs> so, Absolutely, yeah. Um, well, you heard it, yeah. folks. If you're if you're heading to Huntsville for anything space related, or if you're in the area working, you know, reach out to Chris and see if you can find him over at the at the studio. Yeah, it's uh, at Low Mill Arts and Entertainment. That's low as in L O W E, M I L L. Yeah, Low Mill Arts and Entertainment. It's uh, biggest art center in the southeast, biggest private privately owned art center in the country, hmm. um, and it's just five minutes from the space center um with traffic so um you go to space and rocket center and go to go to low mill it's open wednesday through saturday um 11 to 7 but i'm in studio 2048 and uh places decked out with uh you know kind of ethereal post-apocalyptic whimsical art and uh and you know, military trunks and bombshells and, you know, I've even gotten a oscilloscope in there. Um, nice. so just all the, all the little cool, wacky, weird stuff that I like. Yeah. So, um, you know, you get to see some stuff in the works. You get to see stuff already framed and finished. And, um, sometimes you might catch me airbrushing in there. Um, more likely you've, gonna see me drinking coffee or drinking a beer while i'm working in there so amen man <laughs> yeah so awesome well chris thank you so much for for coming on the podcast oh, i really enjoy it having me. and folks it. definitely check out chris um and all the places we'll, we'll have it here up on on the episode so you guys can follow along but um chris thanks again any any last minute um uh, last less words for the folks out there or anyone trying to follow that that thing burning inside Um. No, not really. I, I covered it pretty of, well, so <laughs> I can't think of anything super profound or anything super witty and funny. So, 
um, you know, just basically do what, do what fascinates you and makes you feel alive. You know, because if you're not doing that, then, you know, you're going to burn out quick. Yeah. Um, and you know that, you know, like there's that, that soundbite on Instagram of that uh, robotic woman voice saying, I didn't want to work a nine to five. So I started my own business. Now I work 24 <laughs> seven. Um, the thing is, if you really love what you're doing, you don't mind all the work that goes into it because it's so satisfying. Um, or at least it gets satisfying at a point, you know, um, mm -hmm. at some point it, it gets really gets there. So basically just, you know, like what I used to tell kids at the space camp is follow your fascination. Yeah. You know? uh, any, any idea that you develop that becomes fascinating to you, you should, you should go after it. That don't uh, don't find all the reasons why it's not going to work because then it for sure won't work mm. because you're not going to try it. Yeah, so, you'll always find an idea of why you shouldn't. <laughs> right. So you know you always have all the well-meaning people. I love to tell this to kids too. You know, against their probably against their parents' uh, um, judgment. You know. Uh, mm -hmm. All the well-meaning people are going to tell you not to do it. Hmm. They're all the all the people who care about you are going to tell you to not go for your dreams because it's not safe. It's not, you know, it's not predictably success. There's no way to. Pre it's not. There's not a, a clear outcome, you know. And parents obviously want for their kids to to do well get a good job don't blame them yeah yeah but if there's an idea if there's something in them burning that's going to help them you know feel like they're really affecting the world mm. making a difference in people's lives making a, making a difference on the world no matter how ridiculous that idea is somebody's gonna somebody's gonna the right at the right time the people the right people are going to come in and help mm. and things have a tendency to they have a way of falling into place at the right time. And um, especially when you believe that it can happen. Yeah. So I, I've had craziest things happen un most unpredictably. And uh, I don't know how to make them happen again. And, uh, but they just fall into place and happen, you know? Yeah. You keep, so, you keep doing it. You keep putting yourself out there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, man. And don't give up. You know, and don't give up. It's just cons one guy owns a coffee shop down the hall from me. He constantly telling me consistency is key. You know, he's getting on to me for not being in my studio early enough or um, trying to keep me from giving up or, you know, getting discouraged. So consistency is key. And uh, drink a lot of coffee. To help with it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'll well, I've taken up your time too. So <laughs> no, Chris, thank you so much. This is a great conversation. I'm looking forward to that. Appreciate next one. it. I'd love to come back sometime whenever you have me. Awesome. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Spread love, spread science, everybody. Have a good one. We'll see you in the next episode. Yeah.